Uh, hello there. My name is Chris Casso. I'm a writer at trustyhenchman.com. And uh, I'm also the Great Pumpkin. <laughs> and I am Lydia Dietz. Uh, and I myself am strange and unusual. Okay, uh, I, okay I'm Nicole Lamb. And I, <laughs> I stole quotes from the internet. <laughs> Don't lie. <laughs> oh... So what you what you been up to? Oh well, we had uh, <laughs> hmm, this is a good mm -hmm. start. Yeah. Well, we it's staying in there. <laughs> no, <laughs> I do the editing. I have uh. the power. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> We'd mentioned in some previous uh, podcast that we did um, as a bonus content. I think it was episode six that I wanted to talk about why you should never get previews digitally. Oh um, yes. Previews is the catalog that Diamond Distribution, Diamond Comic Distribution, is mm -hmm. that their official title? Whatever. They're the ones who are the monopoly of all of comic books. Yep. And they put out a catalog and you can, you could go to previewsworld.com and search the catalog there, but it's kind of an awful layout. It's, I don't really like it. I find yeah. that I'll miss things that way because it's, I can't really understand the order of it. I don't know well, if you've figured it out, but. <laughs> I've figured it out and it's a stupid order. It's and stupid. The, the other problem is it's an onslaught, a visual onslaught. It is. So you're just kind of staring at all these JPEG squares and you're just kind of like. <sighs> okay, you know, my, my, your eyes start to bleed after a while, you know, the usual. The other thing besides your eyes bleeding is that <laughs> it also has all the back orders, like previously released material yes. that you can reorder, but now has the current month code, because this, this catalog comes out once a month. Um, so, uh, like right now we're in October and October is soliciting new comics for December release. So it's usually two months in advance, but then it'll also have, you know, all of the saga trade paperbacks that have been out for years and whatever else is important in comics. Right. So I like to get the previous catalog digitally. It's like a phone book, uh, if you got it in print. So I don't mm -hmm. really want to do that because I'm just going to throw it in the trash at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So there's an application pre called previews. You can download it and you supposedly can subscribe for, you know, one month, three months, six months, etc. And it's about the same price as buying, I think, the catalog in the store. Maybe it's a dollar less. Right. So I thought I would do that. So the first month I was doing it on my husband's iPad. So it was his account and linked to his iCloud and all that stuff. So already I'm at a disadvantage of right. stupidity personally. Like the way I went about this was really dumb. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to subscribe and I thought, you know, I'm going to be doing previews for a while. Why not try six months? So you go in, you subscribe, you click the six months and then it's like, oh, you have to enter your card information because you didn't do that yet. So I entered my card information but it's under his account. <laughs> and then it just doesn't do anything. It doesn't say like, okay, you're subscribed and everything's good. Like it does no confirmation. Whoever did the coding and, and created this app should not be in a professional setting yet. They still mm -hmm. have a ways to go. <laughs> um, because it says fucking nothing. And then I'm like, did I do it? I don't know. Did it register? I don't know. And I was like, well, let me just buy one month and if i get overcharged because of my own stupidity fine i'll pay four dollars and 39 cents just to figure this out right so i do that so i buy pretty much seven catalogs at this point just to read uh i think it was august at the time i finally realized like i wasn't looking in the right category so again lots of personal stupidity that happened as well as just functionality things that we've come to understand is the norm like Everything confirming everything always constantly. It did none of that. Yeah. So I finally found it, said, fine, whatever. I overcharged myself for a month, but now I should be good for like six months. It's right. fine. Because in the meantime, I'm like checking my account and I'm checking the app and I'm restarting and doing all these different things and like, you know, finally figured it out. Got in there, thought I was okay. Then September rolls around. I'm subscribed. So it should just automatically pop up the new catalog. But it no. didn't. So it's offered through this this company called Jumag. Okay. Umag? It's J-O-O-M-A-G. Hmm. 
So I contact the, this company that I don't know how to say, and it sounds weird because it sounds like I'm talking about Jews. <laughs> um, A Hasidic magazine. That's... Yes, exactly. Yeah. And their customer service is absolutely stellar, really great. However, I seem to be contacting them on off times. They're trying to figure out what's happening on the back end. They're taking time to get back to me. Meanwhile, this is like two days of me online with this customer support trying to figure out why I can't get September catalog. Then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try to contact Apple, refund everything, and just do this from month to month. So I have to contact Apple support. <laughs> And then Apple support had to figure out, because it was through my husband's account, so I had to figure all this this crap out, because yeah. of my own stupidity and because this thing doesn't work. Finally got a refund, everything was fine. I thought I was, again, smooth sailing, because now I'm just going to do it month to month. August seemed to work fine enough, right. you know, I was able to access it. It, it just won't come up. Like, every yeah. month I try to buy it, it won't come up. This last month... For October, the previews just wasn't up. Like, usually it's up that last week of the month, like September, mm. end of September. And then you have it for October or through the end, you know, through the end of the month until the next one rolls around. Um, but this, it just wasn't showing up. A Marvel showed up, this image thing, some other, like, collector handbook, they all showed up. It took, like, a week for them to get October previews up. So there was something on their end that they botched or somebody was sleeping or they're overworked because they're on, like, you know, very low staffing because of COVID and everything. And so I I bought the previews. I thought maybe if I buy the previews through my store and get the digital code, I could do it that way and it would be fine. It kept saying, like, no issue selected every time I would do that. And I was like, okay, so then I would contact the customer support again, and they, I was like, is the catalog even up? Like, I'm not seeing it popping up on the app, whatever. And they're like, yeah, it looks like it's not up. We'll contact the publisher and try to figure out what's going on. So then they do that, and then like 24 hours later, it's up. So I don't uh, know who did what, or if it was just timing or it whatever. It was probably timing, yeah. And then yeah. I'm trying to get it again. I'm going on, because you go on previewsworld.com slash digital, you have to put in the code, and then it'll go through the app. It's like the most convoluted, stupid way. Like, Dude. I'm telling you, the infrastructure is just awful. Besides personal stupidity, it's their stupidity as well. It's a really good team combo here. <laughs> That's that's a lot of work for something that's not worth it. Um, it yeah, it's a I, lot I know of work the free for me to just online. do a goddamn previews order. <laughs> yeah, I know the free thing online is not worth it as far as uh, it being a bad interface, but compared to what you just did, it's well worth it. <laughs> it's also fucking free. <laughs> it's free. So, But again, so, I just you... miss things that way. The only thing that I think I could do is look at the previous catalog online and download the customer catalog because you can also do that for free and then yeah. scroll through that because visually that might help me. Could be, yeah. Yeah. At least we'd be familiar to that as people who used to do the order forms. Yes. So That's probably why it works is because sometimes I would catch things in the catalog and then have to go look. Yeah. Or in the order form and then look in the catalog. Yeah. So yeah, so don't do that. Don't do, don't be Nicole. <laughs> It's not worth it. <laughs> Although, since I'm such a glutton for punishment, I'm probably still going to do it again next month. Oof. So, okay. Again, personal idiocy, and I take full responsibility for that. You do, you girl. You yeah, do you. you do you. <laughs> uh, <sighs> let's see. So, why don't we talk about dinosaurs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dinosaur sounds good. So, I got a random spam email from entertainment earth on like the store's old email account because i still look at that thing and right towards the top it was just like exclusive dino riders and it's just like <gasps> so there's there's a a picture of me somewhere on the internet as like i don't know like a six-year-old seven-year-old holding the giant tyrannosaurus rex from dino riders with like the greatest expression of glee Dino Riders are a bit of a thing for me, because if you don't know what they are, they are basically like kind of like little pretty well sculpted dinosaur models that could move a little bit like they're they could wobble. And I think the Tyrannosaurus Rex was um, motorized 
um, in that great 80s motorization where it sounds like a transformer is dying as you hit the switch and it's like moving like a half a quarter of an inch and it's like Aah! and um, the story is that there's like uh, a war in space humans or whatever's and guys monster men whatever I remember one of them had a hammerhead shark for a head they fall back in time like a portal in time or something and they land on prehistoric earth and they look around and they see all these terrible thunder lizards and they're just like what if we put a saddle on it and some lasers and there is the birth of dino riders <laughs> basically it's it's dinosaurs with a whole shitload of lasers attached to them and guys that just really wanted a lizard between their legs as they rode them <laughs> oh god so the thing is amongst all the the nostalgia waves and relaunches they've never revisited dino riders um which is weird because i figure dinosaurs are like always in you know but, some uh, company's been trying to bring dino saucers back i think they tried to make comics and stuff so that was a few years ago and so we'll get to dinosaurs okay. believe you right. me we'll get there um because i did some additional like background search on that and i was like what um but uh so entertainment earth is exclusively releasing a new dino writers uh pack and they're the disappointing thing is it's like one big box it's like only 20 bucks and they're basically just like little um kind of like muscle men you know, if you remember those guys, little kind of, uh, that's not PVC, just little plastic solid pieces. Mm-hmm. One color, you know, and it's just kind of like, meh. It is only 20 bucks. So for a bunch of like neat little dinosaurs with lasers on their heads, that ain't bad. And I bet you they're testing the water to just see how much interest there there actually is. So I'm, I'm definitely tempted to do a pre-order on that because every child, and I am a child, needs... <laughs> dinosaurs with lasers attached to them <laughs> now on the subject of dino saucers that was a i'm not going to say a great cartoon but it's a cartoon that i thought was great when i was a kid and um if you've never seen dino uh saucers at least look at the trailer because it's great and it's on youtube basically it's it's transformers it's exactly transformers but with dinosaurs and because it's like the good ones and the bad ones and there's an optimus and there's a megatron and there's even like a cowardly little minion for the megatron and stuff like that uh the one thing i didn't realize is that dinosaurs was co-created by michael uslan and uh he wrote one of my favorite batman stories ever the detective 27 hardcover and he also i think was the script writer for batman 89 and so it's just kind of a weird like this guy who's got a pretty great record of all this stuff and then he's like dinosaurs because <laughs> i wanted to they actually did do they did bring dinosaurs back like legendary comics did and i think that was like 2008 or 9 and i remember being excited and then not being excited because they redesigned them all hmm. and it was just kind of like ew why and it was written by michael uslan so i should go back and try and read it but i don't know it's it's like the most random decision to completely redesign the core concept right uh, the visual the visual design of each character and it's just like they they were pretty striking in the cartoon and it had a nice animation style so there was a comic that came out i can't remember who was trying to publish it for dino saucers like sometime after 2018 because i was over at corner and i had a customer who loved dino saucers and was trying the comic and then found out that the comic was absolute trash and then stopped doing that. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't I don't know who did that, but it's sad. Yeah. But on the subject of dino saucers, um, or of those those cartoons like that, uh, I've got a little bit of a rabbit hole to go under go down through here. Oh, side note, it was Lion Forge Comics who did that, and I guess it's still going, maybe? Huh. I don't think so. No, that but, doesn't but seem whatever. right. Oh, no, there were only five. Okay, continue. Rabbit hole. Okay. 
so the other day, uh, because I apparently had dinosaurs also on my mind, I remembered the tiger sharks. And they were basically relatives to the Silverhawks and the Thundercats, because that was all like the Bank and Rask, Rask, Rask Company, whatever. I kind of loved that era because they all had a really sharp style of animation. At least their pilots and opening episodes did. But I started thinking like, huh, Thundercats, Tiger Sharks, Silver Hawks, Dino Saucers. Like there's just this this very evident formula here where they're trying to get like the golden recipe. You know, animal plus thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I was, so I'm just trying to figure out like, I mean, I know it's not just like, a couple of people but in my fan fiction it's two guys named earl and tim and <laughs> they're desperately trying to find the perfect animated pairing concept then i started trying to think i tried to started to think what else did earl and tim start working on wait where did you get earl and tim now <laughs> i don't know i just <laughs> it just sounds good uh and so i was just like okay so what what other names would work that you could actually mine for good good uh, team of heroes? And I was like brass monkeys, air apes, steel cryptids, heavy metal crustaceans. Mm. Yeah, kind of liking that one. Battle bitches. Not I think get air apes works pretty well because I feel like that would be a '90s thing, and they'd have like jetpacks or something like that. Yeah, well, out of and air they'd apes, be saying things like cowabunga, that kind of yeah. '90s weird stuff. Well, from the Air Apes, one of the characters would definitely be uh, Coptorilla, and it'd be, you know, Gorilla with a little helicopter. Yeah. And I do want a a pair of uh, spider monkeys known as the Wright Brothers, and uh, I put too much thought into this. Oh, I uh, see. I see. Okay. It took me a second. I was like, like, right stuff, you know? Like the uh, right well, direction. That's where my brain went. So I was that. like, why are they right? I don't understand. W R I G T H D. I kind of like Inspector Gadget type way, though. So they all have weird inventor things like a like a yeah. hat copter, you know, that kind of stuff. That could be a thing. Yep, yeah. 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 Battle Bitches and Mighty Mutts. And then I thought somebody must have already done Mighty Mutts. That sounds like the. Yeah. That sounds, it sounds like, like a, a thing, thing they would have done in, in the 90s. Mm hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I just kind of got like for for heavy metal crustaceans. I was just like, hmm, you could name them like tungsten and cobalt and nickel and stuff like that. Uh, so I just kind of got deep down into this like stupid hole of like, what other things did Earl and Tim try to build together? <laughs> Earl and Tim. And they're going insane. That's the background story. They're they're actively losing cohesion as they're trying to get the perfect combination. And all the different studios start kicking them out. And uh, so they're still at it today in a dark, deep basement trying to figure out just the right combination. (laughs) When you say their names, it makes me think of Toe Jam and Earl. Maybe that's where it came from. You're like Mm. Tim and Earl. Could be. Could be. Could be. (laughs) I'm not completely married to Tim and Earl. So if you want to shop that one, we can... uh, we can make a better no, duo. No, Tim and Earl works. It's just that's where my brain goes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, that's all I have for that rant. <laughs> Let's see. So I'm also working my way through Star Trek, as I've mentioned before multiple times. Mm-hmm. And because I'm me, I notice something stupid. Every once in a while when they have to do, like, uh, the away team episodes and they go and there's, like, a settlement or like a construction yard or something like that you know they had a minimum budget so they had to recycle a bit and there's these uh giant like tall steel um girders i guess would be the word maybe uh like little towers they're kind of like grid style and they're everywhere on every alien planet on every species and every once in a while, I just keep seeing them and I'm like, hey, those guys. I've named them Earl and Tim. And uh, <laughs> Tim and Earl make their way across the galaxy. Yes, because Tim and Earl has worked through every Hollywood animation, <laughs> etc. studio, just like exactly. they've worked through the galaxy. And they've been turned into inanimate objects. Yes. But it's it's just kind of funny because it's it's just so obvious that, you know, like, that's what they got. They're going to use what they got. Uh, 
but I just kind of wonder if once in a while the the crew that has to like lug all this stuff together it's just like can we not use these <laughs> is every alien species bound to the curse of these steel towers <laughs> from Bajoran to Cardassian to uh, the Kardashians the Kardashians uh, <laughs> <laughs> they are an alien race. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, the fucking Klingons. Everybody's just like steel girders. Yes. Yes. There's just one company that goes throughout space and is like, these very useful. Yes. I don't know why they speak broken English. That's uh, that makes it better. <laughs> it's their translator. They have to use a translator and it just comes out kind of broken. It's better than the, uh, the, I just saw the episode Darmok, and that's the one where they meet an alien race that's like kind of okay, like there's like no, uh, uh hostility, but no one in like a hundred years can figure out how, how to understand them, and the universal translators don't work. Hmm. And when they meet them, they're like the captain of the alien sheep is like Darmok and Tagar at Savadadar. And basically they speak through metaphor. Um, so they're just, they, instead of using verbs, they just keep on saying like, you know, Nicole and Chris podcasts. Why don't you get this? And, <laughs> and the thing is like, it's a great episode because it's the concept of trying to overcome our inability to understand each other, to find common ground, blah, 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 Star Trek, you know? Um, but at the same time I'm watching it, I'm like, what a f- stupid, stupid language. <laughs> you ain't got no verbs. <laughs> What a stupid, stupid language you have. It's like, it's like great concept by the writers. And then they're like, how do we enact that concept? And they're like, uh, I don't know. Just have them say the names and, um, yeah, that's it. And it's just like, okay, fine. (laughs) And you're telling me a hundred years that no one could figure that crap out, but okay. It's still a good episode. It's beyond them. They don't have the technology. Yeah. They have universal translators that can talk to many alien species, but they can't understand somebody who just speaks in nouns. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the two episodes later, there's like a giant crystalline entity that's, you know, been eating people across the universe. And Data finds a way to communicate it in like five hours. He's just like, oh, you just release a gamma pulse and this. And it's like, you spoke to a crystal. Can't figure out nouns, you twits. <laughs> so, oh man. Yeah. There was a quote you wanted to talk about, I think, or at least mention from Star Trek. Oh, and I already forgot it. <laughs> I sent it to you. Well oh yeah, it's data uh Well here, I'll an, pull it up. Yeah. There's an episode where a woman falls in love with data, but she's kind of uh, kind of stalkery to a bit. And Data's just, you know, innocent child Data being like, hello, what is emotion? Tell me. And what I is think, love? What is love? And I think it's something along the lines of he tells somebody that... Uh, Data just said that someone <laughs> gave me a very passionate kiss in the torpedo bay. Torpedo bay. Torpedo bay. Torpedo bay. Torpedo bay. Yeah, it's like the most innocent statement, but it's just like, oh, did she now? Oh, did she now? Oh, did she now? He knows His... passion, but he doesn't understand <laughs> emotion. <laughs> well, is that what you androids are calling it these days? <laughs> it's just like, this was very forceful and aggressive and very assertive. That must be passion. <laughs> yes. Also, <laughs> she kissed Commander... me while grabbing my fully. What, what was the word? Bait? <laughs> Well, she grabbed my torpedo bay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when you sexually assault a transformer. Yes, exactly. Don't grab him by the torpedo bay. That is a bad touch. <laughs> that torpedo bay must be left alone for other reasons. <laughs> you don't want that thing the... firing off at any time, so you oh, don't no. want to be messing with it. Yeah. It's like when they put those warnings on toys in the 80s that have like the projectile launchers. Don't aim them towards your eyes. <laughs> keep the torpedo bay away from your eyes <laughs> what was uh, the um thing that he says in like episode two and everyone's all randy i'm fully functional fully functional so that like, it makes me think like people made an android to i don't know just be a really good companion or something like that so they were like obviously genitals <laughs> well that's the great thing because this was old dr nunian singh and it's 
<laughs> so that's this that guy. I mean, he was he was all in. He was all yeah. in on this deal. And doesn't he like Data considers him his father or something like that? So there's like a yep. familiar aspect to that. And it's just like, and I gave you genitals. You're welcome. Like I physically <laughs> worked on making your genitals. Mm-hmm. Other people mm-hmm. would put their seed in somebody and that would make a baby and I would not have to deal with genitals. I have a drafting table full of sketches of your dick. I'm sorry, Torpedo Bay. Torpedo Bay. I had to decide on what mathematically was the best size, shape, dimensions of you your don't genitalia. Know how many pictures of dicks that I labored over for science? <laughs> for science. <laughs> Every every time there was a symposium before data was uh you know completely structured and he's you know showing this to the scientific community they're like uh doctor uh, you put a lot of work into the girthiness here for science for science for science statistically the girth is accurate <laughs> to most people's pleasure <laughs> plus it fits in pants very well <laughs> There should be a meeting between Data and the Vision where they talk, scholarly talk about their dicks. Yes, there you go. Uh, yeah. Even androids cry, you know. Did Data ever <laughs> cry in Star, in Star Trek? I don't remember. I think later on when he finally got the emotional chip. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, because he cried when his cat survived at the end of one of the movies. Ah. Uh, oh, yep. movies. Okay, but not necessarily... Uh, I don't know. I haven't watched every episode yet. I'm all midway through season four, so... Perhaps because yeah, it's I, probably been like six to eight years since I rewatched all of that stuff, so I don't remember right. any of it. At some point, he'll have to get the emotion chip back from his evil brother, so that'll probably happen soonish. Yeah, no? I remember that kind of towards the later seasons for sure, because they were trying to expand on data storyline kind of thing. Yeah, I did the episode I watched last night was a Wesley Crusher return episode. And the the fascinating thing is definitely not Wesley. It's that Ashley Judd was in it. A young Ashley Judd. And I saw her and it's just like, <gasps> Ashley Judd. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Well, it's Halloween time, right? It's October. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have been getting into the sort of spooky movies. And surprisingly, I've watched a lot. I, in previous years, my husband and I have always been like, let's rent a bunch of movies and do this whole thing. And then we watch like five the whole month. And it's like, we tried. Gold star. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we started pretty strong. We watched quite a bit of movies. And I found that a lot of the movies that either I've watched with him or by myself have had queer elements in it. You didn't think uh-huh. we were going to get through this episode without some gay shit, right? Of course so, not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we, unfortunately, have not watched anything pretty new to, you know, us. Uh, we re- rewatched Lost Boys. Uh-huh. And this, the fascinating thing about Lost Boys, I mean, we, we know that there's been the, the homoerotic cuts of, like, Saxman and Michael, you know, being in awe of his glory. And there's been discussions online about Sam's um, sexuality, who is played by Corey Haim. Mm -hmm. Um, Michael is played by Jason Patrick, um, Mm -hmm. who, goddamn, in the 80s, that man was really good looking. I don't know if I'm just, like, extra thirsty this month, more than my (laughs) normal thirst, but I was just like, goddamn! Damn! (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because, yes, there's there's some homoerotic things throughout that people are talking like way too close to each other than is normal. And a lot of boys seem to be thirsty for other boys to join them and do all kinds of stuff. But the the Sam character, Corey Haim, at one point he's in his room. His grandfather is a taxidermist. So he keeps giving him these like these stuffed animals, you know, in his room right by his bedstand, freaking him out. And he keeps having to put them in the closet because he doesn't want to look at them. Hmm. One of the things on his wall is like a blown up like screenshot of Molly Ringwall in Breakfast Club. Like it doesn't look like it's an official poster. It's like somebody printed it out and got like a high quality like <laughs> blow up of her. And I'm like, is that Molly Rungle for me? Yeah, okay. But then the thing is, he goes to the closet to put this taxidermist animal in, in there. And as he's walking, there's a very sexy picture of Rob Lowe 
who oh. I have not confirmed, but may be an image from Playgirl. Interesting. And it's like, why would you have that on your wall? Oh, yeah. hmm? Interesting, mm-hmm, interesting, mm-hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was some of the homoeroticness from that movie that I noticed on this rewatch. But the interesting thing is the the director. Oh, did you have something before I go on to the next thing? Uh, finish that. We'll okay. circle back. Yeah. The director was gay. He's I think mm. he's since passed away from cancer. And I watched an interview because we watched that. We watched Lost Boys and we watched Fright Night. And we were like, there's some gay shit kind of in all of these movies. Mm. Um, and so the director of Lost Boys, he also did St. Elmo's Fire. He did um, Falling Down, which I was surprised by. Uh, I was yeah. kind of like, oh, really? Oh, oh, it's um, oh Schumacher. Yeah. Joel yeah. Schumacher. Schumacher, yeah. yeah. And he did Batman and then Bob. Yeah. He yeah. did with the nipples. Yeah, the and nipples. it all makes sense. I guess, yeah. The nipples make sense. Um, also the flamboyantness of it, you know, like he he liked that kind of campy style and people thought he ruined it because they were finally doing the darkening of Batman and then we got like neon right. nipples. So But yeah, and uh, a writer tried to interview him for like his book of gay people queer people in hollywood and he was just really like not about talking about it because he's like i don't want to label things i don't want to be the gay director i just want to be a director you know like we want to get to a point he he was born in like the 1930s so it's like this is kind of to me feels more modern this take that he has where he just wants to be like a valid he wants to normalize things, which is what we're all trying to do these days instead of having the woman director, the gay director. It's just like, could we just have people making stuff? It's more diverse. We know it's diverse, but we don't have to pinpoint and, and say, look, they have this certain genitalia or have this gender marker. You know, it's just like, doesn't really matter. But then I guess like when he when he knew he had been diagnosed with cancer, he just like went all out in some other interview and talked about all the men he had sex with and all this stuff. And it was just like, damn, damn. all right, cool. He was just like, last hurrah, motherfuckers. <laughs> Gay as shit, y'all. Uh, what, what I was going to say is uh, previously we established that you should have the smut check. Yes. You know, which is, you know, a regular feature of this podcast that we don't mention, but it happens anyway. It sneaks it up on It just happens, you. yeah. And, uh, but as a part of the smut check, we need to figure out the actual architecture. And I think that you need to have the queer juice bar so that you can handle your thirst. <laughs> the queer juice bar. It's funny. I'm, you know, being, being bisexual and also having the attention span I have, I just seem to kind of go all over the spectrum whenever I feel like it. I'm definitely in my gay men section right now, which has nothing to do with my personal sexuality, except that it's in the queer-overse, because I can't participate in any of those things, but... (laughs) Well, the, 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 the juice bar is right next to the, uh, Tesseract gate that takes you to the queer-overse. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Figure on the inside, for sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, uh, speaking of, um, and inside the smut check, there's a blown up Molly Ringwald, <laughs> a high quality Molly Ringwald blow up of just a screenshot of the Breakfast Club for no reason sure. at all. Yeah, actually, I think it would be Winona Ryder because I had a, a huge oh. crush on her in high school, and a friend of mine gave me a Christmas card one year that said, "I tried to think of the perfect Christmas gift for you," and then on the inside it says, "But Winona wouldn't fit in the box." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like ninth grade and they were already like, you're queer, aren't you? (laughs) And I was like, what? Me? Huh? Maybe. Yeah. Um, Give me some of that Winona. (laughs) (laughs) Please. I'd still take Winona. Please. Please. Thank you. Um, Yeah. So then we watch Fright Night and um, Stephen Jeffries plays Evil Ed in that one. That one's another vampire movie, but it's all male centric. And Chris Sarandon plays, you know, this fabulous vampire who moves in next door. Uh, to this young man who really, really, really wants to screw his girlfriend and gets really mad about the fact that she's not ready, which is just like, dude, Uh. you need to shut up. (laughs) And then she tries to get ready and she's like, she's clearly not ready, but she's like, fine, I guess I'll do it. And then like he sees Chris Sarandon moving across the uh, uh, next door when like bringing in a coffin or something like that. And then he just gets really obsessed with it. And it's just like, there's a vampire living next door and all these people are dying and it's cause they're a vampire. Anyway, his friend, evil Ed, who's like this big, 
well, he's not big, but he's a he's a large he's a large fan of uh, <laughs> of horror movies and things like that, and so that's why they call him Evil Ed. But he's just this dork. Hmm. Um, and to me, I just like when he shows up. I've seen the movie before, but I, I was watching it through my queer glasses this time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I felt like he was queer coded. I was like, on a scale of one to flaming, how gay is Ed? <laughs> and William William was like, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if he's gay. And then when Chris Sarandon sees him in the in the alleyway and he has this talk with him and he says, like, you know, they'll never make fun of you again. I'll make I'll make sure of that. Like, you'll never have to feel that pain of, you know, being bullied pretty much is what he's saying. And Evil Ed's face is so distraught. So I mean, it's like he's shooken. He's shooken. He's shaken to his (laughs) core to where I thought. That's more than just like being bullied. That's like your identity. There's like something there. Like that's just so raw. That's like you've been hiding from the world. I don't know. That's how I read it. Um, mm. And then I looked it up later and Tom Holland, the director, not Spider-Man, mm. um, who he said he didn't really think of Ed as a, as a queer character. He just thought of him as being bullied. However, Stephen Jeffries himself is gay. And so maybe he drew from that when doing the scene. Right. Maybe he projected the emotion. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of people on the Internet have commented that that scene with Ed was very impactful for them in how they felt being a gay teenager, being a gay young person, a queer young person. And uh, so it does translate that way uh, if you want it to translate that way. So, and then somebody wrote a very, very over, overdone (laughs) essay about how the main character is actually homosexual and he's looking to Chris Sarandon, who's also gay or bi or something as like his way of coming to terms with the sexuality. I don't know. It was a little too much for me because I feel like I didn't get any queerness from that main character. I, gotcha. So I don't know. Um, hmm. And then the last thing is a movie called May, which is an independent film that came out in 2002 hmm. that had an young Anna Ferris in it of scary oh. movie one and two fame. She got off of that and did this movie where she plays a girl named Polly who's dumb but cute and is kind of this lesbian player character who really likes this character, May. It's fucked up. It's a fucked up movie. Hmm. Uh, I really enjoy it. It's great. Uh, the <laughs> You can watch it for free on Tubi, which is what I've recently gotten into. You have to watch it with commercials, which sucks. Nah. Um, but you can see a lot of stuff that you can't really find elsewhere. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can find everything on Amazon Prime, but I just try to not do anything through Amazon Prime if I can. Right. And yeah, so May is this awkward character. She has a really lazy eye and she's never been able to make friends. And her mom gave her this creepy little doll that she made when she was younger, which doesn't suit her at all because the mom is definitely like blonde, white, put together, very much like a clean freak kind of control freak person and tried to, I don't know, it, it's a weird thing. It's just like a tiny little flashback in the beginning of the film. But hmm. May just talks to her doll and her doll talks to her, but you never really hear what she says. And she gets obsessed with people's like pieces parts. Like she meets this guy who's played by Jeremy Sisto of uh, Clueless fame. He played the douchebag rich boy who was oh. trying to go after the main character. Yeah, I don't think he did too much. Mm-hmm. Also, he was in this movie, so. Um, <laughs> but May... <laughs> May gets obsessed with his hands and like he's one of those guys who's Um, like, I'm a cool guy who makes weird avant-garde gross films that no one understands and I like weird girls and I don't know. He's like one of those dark edgy guys, but Mm. he's like not really because like May trumps everybody's weirdness. He shows her this movie he made in college that was a short film of like it looks wholesome these two people it's black and white and they're like making out well i guess that's not wholesome but it's like it's trying to be like an old school 50s thing but everyone's they're having a picnic and that kind of thing and then eventually they just start eating each other they're like eating each other's fingers and hands and then they're like they're like circling each other trying to like fight to the death or something Mm -hmm. and may just thinks it's oh this is a very sweet film you did a really good job however i don't think this was really accurate that was a little weird but yeah otherwise it was great and then like later they're making out and she bites his lip so hard he bleeds and then Mm. she starts rubbing the blood all over her body and he's like um i gotta go now (laughs) (laughs) so she definitely out weirds him but um 
but Polly is she works in a veterinary uh she works at a veterinary is that just okay. the word she's a vet know. she's a vet she's a vet assistant yeah, and okay. Polly is like the receptionist but she's dumb she's like what's a scoople and she's like mm. it's a scalpel and she's like oh like uh, she's just like that kind of dumb right. but she's obsessed with May and she's also just like She's like a lipstick lesbian and she likes other lipstick lesbians, I guess, even though May's just kind of a, just a weird girl, but I don't know. It was interesting. I completely forgot about Polly. I completely forgot about any queerness in that movie and just remember her and uh, this Jeremy Sisto guy. I can't remember what his name is in the movie. So you say that she's obsessed with body parts. Does it get to like a Boxing Helena kind of stage? What's Boxing Helena? I don't know if oh, I've ever seen uh, that. Uh, Boxing Helena was a movie about a guy, uh, I forget his name. He was the guy who was in all the warlock movies. Mm-hmm. He was the warlock. And he, um, was obsessed so much with this Helena woman that he basically started cutting her to pieces and keeping the parts, mm. but keeping her alive. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, anytime somebody says, like, oh, there's a character that's uh, obsessed with, you know, thing or, you know, I, I consider most of Star Wars universe to be uh, obsessed in the Boxing Helena way because them Jedi sure love cutting off limbs, yo. Yeah, they and really do. They really do. And uh, so it always just comes to mind, like, ah, Boxing Helena. Well, so I'll spoil the movie now. So if anyone wants to go watch it for free on Tubi, you should just skip ahead and... <laughs> do that now but the whole idea that she has a doll for a friend right is a very heavy foreshadow of she just creates her own doll out of everybody's pieces parts because Ah. everybody lets her down everybody fails her in some way so she frankensteins them so she frankensteins them and she even stabs her own eyeball out because she's like you can't see me she didn't Mm. steal anybody's eyes so she takes her lazy eyeball out i guess i think was it her lazy eyeball i can't remember but she takes it out and she puts it on the top of the head and and then just is crying like you can't see me you can't see me and like i'll never get acceptance kind of thing and then the doll comes to life for no reason and like hugs her and then that's the end of the movie Ah. and it's just so it's like it's a happy ending (laughs) (laughs) i was telling william about this movie as i was watching it and he was just like what the fuck what the fuck nicole that's the thing is like William and I are very compatible in a lot of ways, but I'm way more demented and weird and dark than oh, he sure. will yeah. ever be or or can handle. So I just try to do that shit on the DL. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like we know I'm weird and we just let it lie. <laughs> <laughs> so I watch my weird May movie and stuff like that. And then I'm just like, yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't watch this movie at all. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. 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 Yep. Well, we we just watched High Spirits last night, the 1988 film with Steve Gutz, Gutenberg. Goot, goot. I it was a lot of fun. I had a great time, but William was like, "This movie is weird," and I'm like, "Really? <laughs> this is tame like, to me." Yeah, it's weird. And he even like went on the internet later and was just like looking up stuff and like the 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 director really likes subver- subversive <laughs> subversive. The Yeah, the director really likes sub- subversive material. Like, I mean, technically, there is necrophilia in it, you know? Yeah, yeah, technically, yeah. you're in love with a ghost, you know? It's not really a thing that you can do, and yeah. Interesting. Let's, hold on. Let's talk a bit about something here. Shall we? Yes. So, <clears throat> a ghost is incorporeal. Yes. Does the terminology for necrophilia require there to be a physical element yes um and the reason why i say necrophilia is because halloween rolls around while they're at the castle and she becomes corporeal and he fucks her good well well, wait so (laughs) when when (laughs) we're gonna get okay we must examine this yes so when she manifests and becomes one with the corporeal plane uh, is she in a rotting body or is she in a revitalized living body? Yes. <laughs> a little from column A, I will a explain. From okay. They are both correct. Ah. She, When she becomes corporeal, she looks like she did when she uh, before she died. She looks right. like a beautiful Daryl Hannah, you know, with right. her little curly ringlets and her, you know, supple skin and all that stuff. Yeah. After they're done, for whatever reason, she reverts to looking 
like a rotten corpse. However, she'd be a skeleton at this point. She's 200 years old, but they got to do yeah. some movie magic. So she looks like thriller, you know, like thriller um, zombie. Yeah, sure. You know, and her hair is like falling out and she's all blue and gray and, you know, right. it looks like her brain's trying to come out of the back of her head. Now, but that's only after they fuck. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So like so, the fucking can happen, but then after you're done, you're like, oh, it's then like, she's dying. Maybe she's technically aliving before she's that aliving. Yeah, because okay. I think there. I wasn't paying that much attention because it's high spirits. I was just having a good sure, time. Sure, but sure. I think that the thing was like on Halloween, you can consummate your relationship. But if you do that, then you're kind of bringing them back to life potentially. I don't know why consummating this thing is making that happen. They make sex really important, I guess. But then there has to be like an exchange of bodies because, again, lots of spoilers if you care about high spirits. I don't know how you'll see it unless you have a scarecrow or maybe an Amazon Prime or something. But like his wife, who is played by Beverly D'Angelo, what a Mm. oof. I love that woman. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She dies because she falls in love with uh, uh, Daryl Hannah's husband who killed her, the Liam Neeson guy. He tricks her so that she'll die so that he could be with her so that he can just have all the ghost sex that he wants with her. But mm. then it exchanges bodies. So like Daryl Hannah's character takes Sharon, Sharon, her name's Sharon in the movie, Sharon's body um, and is able to be with the Steve Goots in corporeal like form. And then right. like Beverly D'Angelo's character gets to be a ghost with Liam Neeson and they get to like forever bang in the afterlife. So Hmm. Hmm. I feel like that'd be an awkward transition. Like I was immediately thinking like, ah, Mary, this character who's played by Daryl Hannah is named Mary. She comes back into the late eighties after Hmm. being dead for like 200 years. So she was, you know, she was from way back when. Is this, uh, are they like in Scotland or something? They're in Ireland. They're yeah, in it's Ireland. an Irish okay. director too. Okay, okay. Yeah, they're in a castle. So I don't know. I never, I just didn't explain the movie because I don't no, know. Yeah, yeah, you either yeah. know or you don't know people. Come on. This is, <laughs> this is, this is clickish. Um, yeah, so the, there's a failing castle. They can't really get anybody to stay there. There's a guy in America who, for some reason, is the landlord of this castle and is saying, like, I'm going to foreclose on you. I'm going to kick you guys out. And the people who are running it, the guy, Peter O'Toole, mm-hmm. his character is it, the, called the Plunkets. I forget his first name. But him and his mom live in this castle. I guess his family's lived in the castle for a really long time. The mother speaks to ghosts, and her husband, who's dead, is a ghost. And so she knows, like there's tons of ghosts in this castle or whatever. And oh, by the way, there's a lot of suicide in this or potential suicide in this movie. I didn't realize because like Peter O'Toole gets off the phone at the landlord after this conversation and immediately goes and tries to put himself in a noose. Mm. His mom shows up and is just like, oh, what are you doing? Come on, this is silly, you know? <laughs> and he's all like, oh, whatever. And then she's like talking about all the ghosts and he's like, wait, how many ghosts are in in this castle? And uh and and he's and she's like i don't know 200 or something like that and so wow. then he gets this idea of like oh we're going to make this place look like it's haunted which is weird cuz it's like if there's already ghosts here you don't really need to make it haunted right <laughs> right but for whatever reason he thinks he needs to do that so like the small crew who who love this castle and it's it's been a part of their life for a really long time they're like okay we're going to try to make this place look haunted then steve gutenberg comes to this room that nobody's been in and it's where Mary and her husband, Martin, are constantly in this loop every night about her murder. He comes Mm -hmm. in. He's in a jealous rage. She doesn't want to have sex with him because she thinks he's gross, but he thinks that she's sleeping with somebody else or in love with somebody else. And so on their wedding night, he kills her and they're forever doing this thing. And then Goots is like, damn, she's sexy. (laughs) (laughs) And then it just kind of ensues from there. And his wife, Sharon, played by Beverly D'Angelo, is uh just a cunt oh she's just a <laughs> terrible woman she's like constantly taking valium she's constantly emasculating him i bet beverly d'angelo is just like this is slightly different than what i play let me do this <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah yeah and then ghosts actually come out because they're like oh our castle's gonna get taken away and we love living here so we're gonna come out or whatever it's silly it's ridiculous it's just completely preposterous of a movie it's it's great I wish I could own it, but it's it's been out of print for a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, at some point I'll have to rewatch it. I only have vague memories. I've got like all these little snippets of random movies from the late 80s, early 90s in my mind that I slowly are filling the gaps on, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so that one's that one's up in there. There's another weird one that I, I Lord knows I'll never find it. But it's like some some weird movie that had to do with like gargoyles. And it had some like really bad monster effects. Hmm. And I think like a guy turned into a gargoyle or whatever. Um, and so there's there's always a part in the back of my brain that's just like, what was that? Hmm. It's probably terrible. Probably, but do you want to rewatch it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I just yeah, just do. for the sake of filling in the gap, you know. Um, Maybe it's I'm, on Tubi. I feel like every <laughs> bad knows. movie's on Tubi right now, <laughs> well, and I want to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the thing is uh sometimes sometimes you get some nice surprises because uh the one of the biggest gaps i ever had was uh the gate and um, i love the gate i own the gate (laughs) yeah i so do i because it finally came out on dvd like i don't know 10 years ago um and uh so that was one where i watched it i'm like this is actually good um and creepy and it's got that uh the kid was played by the guy who was the villain from Blade? And he's oh like, yeah, it was Baby Stephen Stephen Dwarf, right? Stephen Dwarf, yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, yeah, that that whole movie, the whole scene where like the uh, the demon grabs the kid's hand and an eyeball grows on his hand and then he stabs it with the glass. Yes. That's the only scene that I had in my brain for over like fifteen years, without being able to figure out what it was from and uh or see it again mm-hmm. which is you know why did i see that movie at that at a young age i don't so know so many things that shaped your life that you saw then you really shouldn't have mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's a theme it's an ongoing theme in your life well at some point like uh uh hbo played nausicaa um miyazaki's nausicaa and i think i may have been somewhere between seven eight years old and i saw like a part of it but again at that age it doesn't really it didn't really stick with me except the fact that there was a scene with giant worms and i kept on trying to like tell people like what's the cartoon with the giant worms and they're like it's very creepy and and they'd be like dune it's like that's not a cartoon Uh, (laughs) (laughs) beetlejuice yeah that does have a worm but not right yeah yeah so Hmm. Yeah, it's just weird what kind of sticks in the back of your brain that what what gets seared into your optics and, yeah. and transferred in there. Yeah. So yeah. Speaking of Tubi, I found two movies that I want to watch because it's like, what? And one of them is a Ryan Reynolds movie from 2014 called The Voices. Huh. And it's it's. It's called, so here it is on IMDb. A likable guy pursues his office crush with the help of his evil talking pets. But things turn sinister when she stands him up for a date. What the fuck movie is that and why did Ryan Reynolds do it? Ah, that sounds like a thing he'd do. But in 2014? Maybe. I don't know. It just seems weird. There's some stuff in here that I'm just like, why is this a thing? Mm. There's also a movie that Christina Ricci did in, I think, the mid-2000s? Where is it? It's called The Afterlife, and it's like she dies, but then as she's like on the table to get like embalmed, she wakes up. And I'm, and it's just like a weird, like, when did this happen? You know how like you were talking about there was those grim fairy tale movies that were coming out that you oh, just yeah, like yeah. totally missed? There's like these people who Oh, you who missed are, them. I got them. <laughs> well, I mean, you were like, yeah. they came out and now I'm watching them and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they just there's lots of stuff happening at certain times, right? Yeah. So, but there's these things where it's just these these blips in in actors who are you know fairly famous people who just did these like weird movies that I don't remember ever happening. And I was and I was an adult and I was like looking at stuff and paying attention to things and it's just like when did this happen? <laughs> Sometimes people's <laughs> agents really screw up, yo. I guess, or maybe they're just like, you know what? I just want to do this weird film right now, you know? Sometimes people get blackmailed, you know? (laughs) There's, like, a lot of reasons. (laughs) Yeah, it's very true. It's very Mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, so I'm going to probably watch those two movies at some point this month, but probably by myself. I don't yeah. know if I could talk William into watching these movies with me. Should I send you, um, would you like me to send you a list of uh, horror movies that, you know, you may have seen some of them, but there might be a chance uh, because I, I go pretty deep into some horror movies. There might be a chance that you haven't seen them that you might like to add to your repertoire for the month. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we we have like an ongoing movie list uh, just in general, like William keeps a little bullet journal that he puts all that stuff in Mm -hmm. to just to remember and like where we heard it from and different things like that. So like um, there's a YouTuber I love named Nerd Burger and I watch her videos sometimes. She talked about getting uh, some toys from Halloween three season of the witch. And I never Uh... even knew about this movie. I don't remember ever this coming across my path at all like it's a halloween movie that has nothing to do with michael myers yeah exactly they just decided like eh, we want to take a vacation from this guy. yeah so and william remembers it in some oh, capacity yeah. i don't know if he's seen it though so that's something we're probably going to rent next and Ooh, then jump to that jump to that yeah 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 what's the other one that he said that we were going to watch maybe oh i think we're going to finally watch transylvania 5000 yeah <laughs> <laughs> is it five is it six five thousand six five thousand six five hundred yeah six five hundred yeah, yeah. yeah and i've never seen that it's a jeff goldblum jam it's, and so william's seen it because he's a huge jeff goldblum fan before and it was like cool. ed bagley jr i think yes yeah. i believe so and yes. and um, is it gina 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 davis uh, yeah, yeah gina davis what's up Which, girl the thing is, you know, this is a movie about monsters and everything. And the most uh, unbelievable aspect is that Gina Davis plays a uh, nymphomaniac uh, dressed as a Dracula. And she falls immediately, heavily, lustfully in love with Ed Bagley Jr. That makes no sense. And it's just like... <laughs> Hey, sometimes that sense of humor really, uh, you know, really does it. He's not that funny. He's not that funny. <laughs> I'm sorry, was, Ed Bagley Jr. Again. No, I know. I, I don't want to come down on somebody too much, but it's just like you had you had a Jeff Goldblum, and Jeff Goldblum in the meantime is falling in love with just kind of uh, gonna be a bitch here and just say bland woman, and <laughs> and it's just like there is a Gina Davis Dracula right over here. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, by the way, High Spirits has um, Jennifer Tilly in it. Ooh. Now, that was the gay part of High Spirits, was me and Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, me, Jennifer Tilly, and the dude who played the priest. I would be in a triad with that in a second. <laughs> it's the Caterpillar Eyes guy. I forget his name. I'd have no, to look no. it up. He's got Caterpillar eyebrows and crystal blue eyes with dark hair. I'm really selling it, aren't I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm creating some sort of monster in my mind now. <laughs> I'm trying to make him sound sexy, and you're like, he is a monster. <laughs> caterpillar um, eyes don't quite do it for it's me. It's caterpillar but... eyebrows. I misspoke. It's those, like, thick eyebrows. I don't know. Well, I've gone In my mind, I have where... these, these giant caterpillars kind of coming out of somebody's eyes. I think it's beautiful. Oh, Peter Gallagher. That's his name. Okay. Um... Yeah, I'll send you a list. There's there's one movie in particular uh, uh, called Witchin' and Bewitchin'. And, uh, oh, no, wait. <laughs> that sounds bitchin'. terrible. What, I bet bitchin'. I can find it on Tubi. Witchin' Bitchin'? Bitchin' Witchin'. I oh, don't, yes, I have seen that. I have. Seen, I think I've come across that on Netflix or something at some point. It, it's Spanish. I love it. It's uh, it's great because it follows a, uh, a group of incompetent bank rubbers, um, and they all dress like in the Halloween costumes, but it's like for kind of like a carnival kind of thing to be in disguise. But like one of them brings his son on the heist, like his, his like little kid, because he, he would have had to given up his custody for the weekend otherwise. And then the heist goes terrible. They go on the run. He's got this kid with him, and then they come across some witches, and then stuff happens. But uh, yeah, there's a movie that I definitely want to watch this month. Um, I found it through a YouTuber called the F- the Flick Connection. He made like a a bunch of movie like a twenty movie list on things that you can find on Tubi. Mm-hmm. And there's one that is uh, I believe a Spanish film, and it looks really weird. It's called The Last Circus. It's got like weird clowns oh. in it and stuff. Uh, I think I might have seen that one. So I'm it's, looking forward to watching that. And then there's another one that has like a story I want to 
I just want to know, like, I want to watch a documentary all about it. Um, it's called The Evil Within. Oh. Mm-hmm. It looks really weird. Uh, the director supposedly, this is this is from what they what the Flick Connection guy said, the guy supposedly had been working on it for years, had a really terrible meth addiction, and just really wanted to make this weird movie. There's just like all these weird background things about this this movie. And I think the guy died in the like somewhere in the production and they had to like piece it together. It's mm. all over the place. I mean, yeah. I watched a trailer of it. Uh, quick note, um, and then we'll we'll get off this. But uh, Witchin' and Bitchin' uh, stars a woman named uh, like Carla, Carla Bang, I think Carolina Bang, and the Last Circus also has her, and that's why I saw both of them. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, I was following her after watching Witchin' Bitchin', and uh, and yeah, she's she's in the Last Circus, which that one is. Oh, that's a movie. Yeah, that one. That one's got some stuff going in it. Um, so yeah, interesting. It's got some stuff going in it. <laughs> it's got some stuff going in it. I don't know how to read that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you later. Okay. But uh, so I I figure we don't really necessarily need to talk too much about what we read because we're we've been going on for a bit here about movies, but yeah. I do want to quickly, super quickly mention uh, that I read a book called The Savage Beard of She Dwarf. And uh, I just want to say that if in these troubling times you need uh, something to help you, may I offer you a savage beard of She-Dwarf? It's, it makes you feel so good. These characters are so good. Good people. And they make you actually not, you know, uh, dread the world as it is today. Uh, it, it went a long way in just kind of, you know, getting me out of some depression funk. So uh, it is by a guy named Kyle Latino. And there is a review for it up on my website or coming up on my website pretty soon here. So uh, check out trustyhenchman.com for that. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I I finally did read some comics, too. I got like a Fearless Dawn meets Hellboy, which is a weird thing. Mike Mignola did like two pages in it because <laughs> it's all he can do these days yeah but it was fun it was ridiculous it was just like hellboy teleports into a fearless dawn verse and then they fight nazis and then they have a good rowdy drink afterwards for victory and then he goes back to hellboy land it's just hey. like sure yeah i mean steve steve manion manion i should find out how to actually say his name i should just contact him on instagram and be like how do you say your name because i talk about you a lot <laughs> Mm-hmm. he just does one shots with fearless dawn so it works and again it's one of those things where it's like there's not much substance to these comics they're just fun they're just funny pages they're silly and i show i show william there's like sexy nazi ladies in there and i was just like you like a bad bitch there's nothing badder than a <laughs> sexy not nazi bitch um yeah so he can at least enjoy the artwork from afar i just be like look ladies okay anyway i'm reading this <laughs> That's, and then I read a, a Gut Ghost, which actually has a Mike Mignola cover for some oh, reason. Oh, yeah. Hey. These are also one shots, weird indie thing of a, of a ghost with guts underneath. That's pretty much the whole premise. <laughs> uh, it's a good nice. time. This good was time. one of those comics that, like, the when the first issue came out, I was like, oh, this is great. This is totally like a weird Nicole indie jam. Like, I'm totally into this. And then the speculator market just, like, swooped in and was like, this is special and we must all get them. And it was like, Why? I don't understand that. That makes no sense to me. Like, who comes up with this idea that this should be special? Somebody realized it's like a 200 print run and then they they all decide that it's special because of that or something? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. It's the mysteries of the world I will never understand, whether in (laughs) the comic industry or out of it. Just as a retailer, I was excited that somebody actually cared about Gut Ghost, but then at the same time, I was like, you don't actually care about Gut Ghost. You care about your eBay rating. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's like, Real- shit, where are my Gut Ghost friends? <laughs> Real quick thought I just had, uh, because you mentioned the the Nazi gals in that. Yeah. Um, the, uh, <laughs> have you ever watched Rick and Morty? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I haven't, I haven't watched, uh, you've watched more than me. That's a stupid yes. question. But there's like, <laughs> there's this sequence where... Um, two of them get like really ripped i think it's it's rick and the daughter and they beat the crap out of some neo-nazis like the and and the uh, ex gonna give it to you starts playing 
<laughs> so and, and so like yeah, they they come in, they look like huge bodybuilders, and they just beat the crap out of like a neo Nazi, and they like spit on him. So <laughs> the thing is, I'm watching the I've finished watching season two of the boys, and one of the characters, one of the superheroes, is actually a Nazi that's been you know over a hundred years old, but she's like a sexy young woman because drugs keep her sexy and um there's there's a sequence where basically she's about to murder a bunch of the main characters but three women with superpowers are there to beat the holy shit out of her and they they it's a fun scene because they're all kind of like it's kind of like uh the end of um death machine the tarantino one where the three ladies are beating the crap out of kurt russell right and they're they're doing that and then finally she's like on the ground and they just start like curb stopping her like kicking her down and in my head i just kept on hearing like x gonna give it <laughs> <laughs> it's like that would have been the perfect song for that sequence <laughs> it's the official beating up a nazi song going forward yes the next World War II movie that happens, it's not going to be some instrumental, you know, uh, music. It's going to be like, X got a good. <laughs> that song will live on forever just because. Yeah. <laughs> just because of kicking, kicking Nazis to the curb. Yes. <laughs> so should we call it for this episode? Yeah, that's. That's it's, a good. Th- that's a meaty, girthy <laughs> unit of podcasts, I think. Dr. Noonien Singh approves of this girthiness. <laughs> Just the right amount of girth. <laughs> well then, uh, just a final plug, even though I already did it. Check yeah, do out it again. Uh, my website, trustyhenchman.com. There's a link there to my Patreon. $3 a month gets you a weekly email newsletter and so much more. And would appreciate it if you uh, checked it all out. And now it's time for Awkward Goodbye. 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 Was that awkward or just tired? Which is like, kind of tired. Oh, talk to lot goodbye. <laughs> tired is awkward when it's you know when you're saying goodbye to somebody. I think yeah. you know. <sighs> goodbye. 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 And we're done. <laughs>